Good morning, everybody. How we doing on a beautiful January Sunday morning? Amen. It's great to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. We're getting more and more people back from quarantines and everything like that. So that makes me real happy. I'd love to see you online, but I'd really like to see your smiling faces in the building. Amen. That does me good. All right. Let's go ahead and stand up together today. We are going to speak some words of faith over our United States of America because we do believe that America is coming to Jesus. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. All right, well, let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. You may be seated today. Amen. 
So as you know, we're kind of pausing our meet and greet right now uh, until things kind of pass over a little bit. But as I say every week, I keep offering. No one's taking me up on it. But if you need a hug at church, I will personally be that man and give you a hug if you need one, all right? We're just not going to have you mingle and mix and, uh, you know, do all that stuff. But praise God for that. All right. Well, I want to remind you uh, that our nursery and children's church are back open today. So amen. All the parents said amen. Uh, So if you got your kids with you, they're more than welcome to go to class and play with their buddies and learn about Jesus. And uh, we're really happy about that. All right. I also want to tell you that uh, we emailed out your 2021 giving letters this past week. So your uh, IRS tax deduction letter, amen, uh, that got emailed out to you. If you didn't get that in your email or if you would like a printed copy, uh, we can print one for you after service. Just go to the info booth back there and we'll get uh, get down, uh, you know, where you want uh, us to get it to you at if you want a printed copy. But if not, they were emailed to you. And so you've got that in hand now and you can go do your taxes. Amen. I, I just love digital. It's so much better than printing out and killing trees, right? <laughs> I don't know, Pastor Dave was a tree hugger. Well, I I like trees, but anyway, I also like uh, not having to print paper. All right, very good. Uh, Let's get into the announcements here. So, uh, membership class is tonight. Amen. Who's excited? Well, you should be. This is the most people that we've ever had sign up for a membership class. I've got three pages full of people here that are uh, going to membership class. That's exciting because it means the church is growing. Amen. And so I'm going to pass this around. Uh, and if you haven't signed up, but you would like to sign up and say, hey, I would like to make it official and become a member. This is my home church now. Go ahead and sign up. And and you're like, well, um, I don't know about that. Well, let me just tell you this. Okay. The class is from four to seven and there's free snacks. You know, if, if for nothing else, you get three hours with yours truly. And, and you know, maybe you're like, I can't handle three hours of that guy. And I get that. That's fine. A lot of people can't. I totally get that. But if for nothing else, there's free snacks. And, and in all honesty, we have a really great time studying the Bible, learning about our church history and our beliefs. And you get to officially become a member and become one of us. Amen. So it's awesome. All right. Now, uh, do we have any married people in the house? Amen. All right. This is interesting. On Wednesday night, I asked this question, and the excitement level wasn't quite where I needed it to be. So let's just try one more time. Are there any married people in the house? Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Hey, you know, all the single people, we want them to know that it's fun to be married. It's a good thing, all right? Uh, But anyway, we have a married event coming up on Friday. February the 4th at 6.30, we're having a big get-together for all the married couples, men and women, and uh, we're having an Italian dinner night, so there's a sign-up sheet back there at the info booth with Miss Kathy. If you could, uh, just sign up to bring an Italian dish or side or something like that, and we're going to have a great time. There is child care, so let it be a date night with your church family. It would just be wonderful, so come on out to that. And also, we have a Christian concert coming to Barstow on February 19th. Yeah. So the Christian rock band Seventh Day Slumber is coming on Saturday, February 19th at 6 p.m. High Desert Work Center is helping co-host this event and uh, co-sponsor it, I should say. 
It's going to be at Barstow College. It is free, but you do need a ticket to get in. And so uh, the, the website there is BCCPAC, so that's the Community College Performing Arts Center, dot com, And you can go on there, get your tickets so you can go to the concert. I'm going to be there. It's going to be a great time. I love this band. They're really, uh, they're good, good music, but even more important, they absolutely are bonafide, born-again Christians that love Jesus. Amen. And so we want to give you that chance. All right. Very good. Well, I think that's all the announcements I have. So who knows what time it is now? Yes, it is happy time. Let's get happy about happy time. Come on. God loves a cheerful giver. All right. Pastor's going to do our tithes and our offering. Amen. Did they say this happy? Happy or happy? All right, we're blessed to give and to receive. Hold up your hands, be an envelope for your tithes and your offerings. And also open up to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. That's where we are today in our online Bible study together. And something jumped off me this morning, and I realized out of all the years of pastoring and experiences in life, there's a couple verses here that will help some people. And you, how many like to be helped? Amen. And you know, when we uh, receive times and offerings for Jesus, this is not just a time, just something we're doing just because we do it, but it's also a good teaching time to show you how to live a better life. You know, our church mission is equipping God's families, God's families for victorious Christian living. And out of lots and lots and lots of years of pastoring, I mean, around 30 years worth, plus ministered a lot of years before that, but I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of successes in families. I've seen too many failures in families because they get out of balance. Everybody say balance. God wants us to live a balanced Christian life. There's extremes in everything. Somebody, some people have extremes about about the Holy Ghost. Some people don't believe that we speak in tongues. Some people believe that we ought to speak in tongues all the time. But God wants you down the middle of the road, moved by the Spirit, doing things at different times, healing. Some people believe that, that sickness comes from God, and God does that just to hurt people, teach them things. And then some people don't believe in doctors and medicine. God's down the middle of the road. He wants you healed, however you get it. Amen. And this area of, of uh, finances and working, I want to show you something here. Then I want to tell you God's balance. Proverbs 23, verse 4 and verse 5. I'll give you a chance to get it on the screen in case you don't have your Bible open to us. You need, you need to see these words with your own eyes. Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5, really jumped off at me this morning. says this, Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. And what that means is this, Don't be a workaholic. Don't be a workaholic. And when I saw that, I was thinking about a really good friend I had back in the 80s. He died at 42 years old. He was a workaholic. And he just at 42 years old dropped over dead from a heart attack. But he worked day and night, day and night, day and night. And the deeper he got in debt, the more he worked. He was trying to work in his own wisdom. And left behind young kids and a young wife and everything like that. And I've seen that happen more than once. And so anyway, it says, cease from thine own wisdom. It says then in verse 5, will you set your eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. How many have ever seen how fast money can go 
sometimes when you work at it. And we know what tithing, what Malachi chapter 3 says about tithing, says that, says that when God puts his blessing on your finances because you're putting him first, said he rebukes the devourer. Windows have never open and things really work. But anyway, the balance part of it, I want to give you a couple more verses because this is not a full-blown sermon. This is receive a tithes and offerings. You can write this down. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says if a man doesn't work, he doesn't have a right to eat. In other words, God doesn't want you to be a beggar. You know, if you're capable, if you're healthy, and you can get a job, God wants you to work. But God does not want your job or your career to be your God. He wants to be your God. He wants you to put him first. And then also Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 Write this down. Ephesians 4, verse 28, it says that we should labor with our hands to do that which is good that we'll have to give. And so what God's saying right there is this. He wants you to be a person that lives by faith. He wants you to work. He wants you to put him first. And you put him first by number one. You know, I think about the Old Testament. We don't teach the law. That you got to honor the Sabbath. You do nothing on Sabbath, can't do a thing. Of course, the Sabbath Saturday anyway. But God created everything to have rest. And so God to be able to give him a day where you rest, you have family time, recreation time. Then once again, your family can't become your God either. Recreation can't become your God. Say balance. Balance. You need to have a life where you enjoy life. You work, you tithe, you give, you go to church, get replenished spiritually, you give your family time so your family doesn't think that your job or your recreation is your God, but it's Him first. Church, family. See what I'm saying about the balance? And so He says that you're in your own wisdom if you're digging deeper into debt and think, man, if I just work one more day a week. Well, you know what? I've seen this. I've heard this so many times. Pastor, I'm going on 12-hour shifts, seven days a week. I'm just going to do it for three months. But I think if I do that, I can get out of debt. Well, what I see at the end of three months is they're a physical wreck, meaner than a junkyard dog, and their family doesn't want to be around them. And, of course, as far as any church things goes, they're so tired, the devil took advantage of their weakness and came in and stole their life. I've seen it happen too many times. So I want to say this again to make sure you understand what I'm saying, that it's not wrong to work hard. And there might be some times where you do have to work a little more, but guard yourself that you don't cross that line where you become a workaholic and lose the family you were working to help anyway. Or lose your spiritual life and maybe lose your salvation. And so he says... That if you don't work, you don't have a right to eat. So God said, you need to work to take care of yourself. But he said, don't overwork and get your own wisdom thinking, I can provide this because God said, I'm the one that will provide all your needs. According to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's what he said, amen? And so, one more time, say balance. Balance. God wants us to be balanced in life. He wants things to all work in harmony together, but you got to put him first in what you do and just guard yourself. You don't step out there too far 
But then at the same time, don't back off where you think, you know what, the government's giving me everything right now and everybody else take care of me. Why should I work? You can't be at either extreme. Go down the middle of the road. Amen? Amen. Well, let's do our financial faith confession and bring our tithes and offerings up to the altar to give to Jesus. I want to say it again, to give to Jesus. The church is the clearinghouse. Jesus is the master. He's the one we support. So let's stand up. And, you know, I want to remind you, when we're, when, we're, when we're paying tithes to God, we're not making a house payment. We're not paying an electric bill. We're giving to God what belongs to Him, and we've got to recognize, as we do, He is our provider. And as you bring your tither offering up, just be thanking Him for His goodness in your life, thanking Him for what He's done, what He's going to do. And, you know, I want to say what I've been saying again lately. I realize that a lot of people pay tithes and offerings online now, just go on the Internet and do it. Well, as, as an act of faith, why don't you walk up here anyway, although you've already done it? Just say, I want to thank you, Jesus. I'm putting up your holy altar. And I want to thank you, Lord, although I pushed the button on my phone and already sent this to you. But I come up here now, Lord, just to worship you and thank you for what you're doing, that you received it. And it wasn't just another thing on, on the Internet. Amen? Well, let's say this together. As we break the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for all my Christ's needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give justly to the kingdom of God, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, when you're done worshiping the Lord with your tithes and your offerings, join us up here at the altar like Pastor suggested, and let's praise the Lord on today. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. I give you my attention. My focus, pushing off the limits in this moment. I feel your spirit moving all around me. Come and have your way. I'm looking at these dry bones. You're reviving the faith inside of my soul. You're igniting. You're calling me to levels that are higher. I can see your face. Amen. When I say Everything else fades. 
Standing on your word, I'm calling heaven down to earth. You will fight my enemies, and this will end in victory. And I will believe it, I will believe it, cause you make now. Move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Standing on your word, I'm calling heaven down to earth. You will fight my enemies, and this will end in victory. I will believe it. Yes, I will believe it. Let's sing it. You make mountains move, you make giants fall, you use songs of praise to shake prison walls, and I will speak to my fear, I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful in, you'll be faithful now. Yes, you were faithful then, you'll be faithful now. And I know that I know that you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know that you never will. I know, yes, I know that I know that you never fail. shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt you were faithful then you'll be 
Amen. Let's raise our hands to heaven this morning. Hallelujah. Who knows that God has been faithful to you? Amen. No matter what it is that we're facing right now, he was faithful last time. He's going to be faithful this time. You will make it through this if you don't give up. Amen. We're uh, singing the song there about he makes mountains move and, and giants fall. He shakes prison walls. Well, that was reminding me of the story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas had been arrested and beaten to a pulp and thrown into the prison. They were in a bad, bad spot, much worse than most of us are in right now. Amen. And so they're down there in the prison. And what do they do? Do they start complaining? Do they start saying, God, where are you? God, I thought you were real. God, you promised. But God, but God. No, they didn't start crying and feeling sorry for themselves. They did what you should be doing right now. They started singing praises to God. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to the foundations. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner flew off. Amen. And so what I'm telling you today is this. You may be in a spot. You may be in a bad position and you're like, well, you know what we need right now is this. You know what we ought to do is this. I'm telling you what you ought to do is shut up and start praising God. Amen. That's what you ought to do. You ought to start praising God. Complaining. Nowhere in scripture does complaining break the chains. Nowhere in scripture does feeling sorry for yourself make sickness go away. But time and time again, when we praise God, even when we don't feel like it, the walls shake, the chains break, and you are set free. Can we get an amen this morning in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. Man, what a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I don't know. Let's sing that one more time. You make mountains move. 
whatever the chorus is there. Come on. You make mountains move. You make giants fall. You use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt as you were some 
Christian values to our culture, to our town. And, and, and so it, it's such a big thing on our hearts. And so we want to bring healing to your family. And if you don't have a family, we want to become your family. We want to be there for you. And we want to surround you and give you the love that you need so you can make it. And so look at this verse, Joshua twenty four fifteen. This is our theme verse for 2022. Can you believe it's 2022? My, my goodness, time is really flying when you're having fun. And, uh, and we're having fun. We're loving life, man. We, I, I'm absolutely loving life. God has blessed us in so many incredible ways. And time is flying, but I'm loving it. Joshua 24, verse 15. This is the High Desert Word Center theme verse for the year. And if you got a if you got an HDWC calendar, then you already know this because it's on your calendar. Who in here got a good HDWC calendar? All right, very good. That's the goal, man. That we love that. And you get a new verse every month. It's so awesome. But Joshua twenty four verse fifteen in the New King James it says, "And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve." And as we simply pointed out a couple of weeks ago, yeah, some people think that it seems evil to serve the Lord because when you serve the Lord, you don't just go with everything that the rest of society is saying. There are some things that the Bible says are evil, but the rest of the world says, no, that's not evil. That's good. And we say, no, it's not. And there's some things that the Bible says is good. And the rest of the world says, no, that's not good. That's evil. It's a twisted and backwards generation that we're working with here. But I tell you right now, don't bow your knee and don't give in. Don't give any ground. Amen. When it comes to what the Bible says is right and what the Bible says is wrong. I don't care what everybody else says. I care what Jesus says. They didn't die for my sins. Jesus died for my sins. They didn't heal me when I had cancer. Jesus healed me when I had cancer. They didn't bring me peace when I was depressed. Jesus did it. So I'm going to listen to him. And if everybody else is in disagreement, whatever, I'm following Jesus. So he says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell right now. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Can we say that together today? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And so what I'm talking about very specifically today is being intentional, being intentional. And you're like, well, what does that mean? I'm talking about living your life on purpose. And, and what I found, and the truth of the matter is this, and I, I just put it down as fact, uh, is, is that most people do not live an intentional, focused, on purpose life. And time and time again, I, I, I talk to people and, well, well, what's your goal for this year? I, I don't know. I, I don't really have a goal. Well, what, well what, what, what's your dream? What, what's your purpose? What, what, what is it that you're aiming for? What's the target that you're shooting at? I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just want to like, make a bunch of money. And Okay, if making a bunch of money is, is your goal, fine, whatever. What are you doing to make that happen? I just kind of hoped it would happen. I'm playing scratch-offs every day at Circle K, and I, I mean, that's my plan. Listen, that's not a good enough plan, all right? And, and I would argue that that's a really bad plan. 
But, you know, whatever, you, that's your business. But what I'm saying is most people, they may have a general idea of what they want in life. But check it out. If you don't, write it down. If you don't get very intentional, it is not going to happen. Most people are like, well, it's a new year. New year, new me. <laughs> and so they're thinking, hey, uh, I just my goal this year is I want to lose 50 pounds. Well, that's very good. That's a wonderful goal. What are you doing to make it happen? Because it doesn't just simply happen by you wanting it. And, and, and I would tell you that a great goal for you is to raise a godly family, to work on your marriage, make it stronger, and to, and, and to start teaching your kids the Bible. Wouldn't that be a, that's a pretty good goal. But you've got to be intentional. You've got to put some effort into it. It simply does not just happen. And so I've heard it said this way, hey, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every single time. If you don't have a target, then you're going to always just hit nothing. Now, every now and then in life by, you know, the world would call it blind luck. By coincidence, you may get a little something, little blessing splashed your way. But if you are focused and if you actually have a target that you're shooting at and, uh, and, uh, and a goal and, 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 and a game plan for raising your family, check it out. You're going to start seeing these blessings. You're going to start seeing things happen a lot more often in your life than if you were just like, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. I think of it this way. You know, we, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time, you know, we don't want to start that debate, but it's, a, it's an easy debate to win. And so, <laughs> but check it out. The man won six championships, never lost one single time in the final. Do you think that was just a coincidence? Like, oh, man, he's so lucky. He just coincidentally happened to fall out of bed and win six NBA titles. Like, man, some people just have all the luck. No, you don't win six championships by blind luck and pure coincidence. You do it because you're very intentional and very focused on what you want to do. Now, you're not going to just, by coincidence, have a bunch of godly kids and a great marriage and, 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 and a great, healthy, holy family just by pure blind luck. Yeah, we don't ever read the Bible or pray or go to church, or but, but hey, you know, I'm just thinking that they'll probably turn out to be good, godly, God-fearing, good kids. It doesn't work that way. For anything in your life, whether it's raising kids, working on a marriage, being a good grandma and grandpa, whether it's advancing in your career, it doesn't just happen by blind luck and coincidence. You're going to have to be focused and put some effort into it and be very intentional. Let me show you something here. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You still with me today? Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're going to look at a few verses here of what Joshua's predecessor, uh, Moses, had to say about this. So Moses uh, is, is obviously, uh, I mean, come on, a, a pillar of the Bible. And uh, he's the man that, that was in charge before Joshua. And, and we've been studying Joshua in, uh, in, in this whole series. But Moses, here were his instructions on, to the people of Israel on how to raise their kids. And it's very specific and very intentional. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 Verses 4 through 9, check it out. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, it says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you better establish that right now, that, hey, 
the Lord Jesus is your God and him alone. You don't have another God if you're going to do this thing right. But let's keep moving. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. And so what are the commands? That's the word of God. Now check it out. Check out what Moses tells the people to do on how to intentionally handle their families. Verse 7, you repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, in modern culture, you'd be like, Moses, good Lord, calm down, brother. Pump the brakes on that. You sound a little bit obsessed with the word of God there. I'm not saying, I mean, don't pump the brakes on that. This is, this is incredible, but notice what Moses was telling them to do. If you want to raise godly kids, if you want to do this thing right, it's all about the commands and the laws and the word of God. Talk about it with your kids on the way to school. Talk about it when you're sitting around at the house. Talk about it when you're eating dinner. Talk about it when you're going to bed and when you wake up. Write it on your house. I think it's a great idea for Christian people to have Bible verses around their house. Why not? Why not? Come on. And, 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 and so all these things, you may have never thought about it, but that is intentionally putting the word of God in front of your family, in front of your kids. Amen? And, and, and so all these things Moses said to do, and this was his key to raising kids the right way. Now, there's a lot that goes into raising kids the right way. I found out after about six or seven years of having kids that I had no idea how to be a parent, none whatsoever. And it's, it's hilarious that before I was actually a dad, I knew a lot more than a decade into being a dad. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need help. Good Lord Jesus, help me out, you know. And, and, and so, uh, and, and because of that, here's a quick plug. We'll be starting a parenting group either at the end of February or March called Intentional Parenting. Amen. So Lawrence and Lee are going to be leading that group. And, uh, and I'm just, I already told them, a lot of times we try to do these groups at someone's house. I said, this group is going to have so many people in it. Just go ahead and, like, book the church for that because there's going to be a lot of people coming to the Intentional Parenting class because I need it. And you, you probably need it, right? We got a lot to learn, uh, no matter what stage we're in this. But this number one is the thing, getting the word of God to your kids. And I found out they don't just learn Bible verses on their own. You've got to teach them. I've been working with Sam, my youngest one, over the past week, every day. Philippians 4.13, Sam, what's it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And maybe you've heard that verse for years, and, and that doesn't sound like a big verse. But to a five-year-old, hey, We've got to start getting this word into them. And I encourage you as parents, no matter if your kids are already teenagers, pick a Bible verse and start learning it with your kids. That's the best thing you could do for them. Amen? And so that's something to think about. All right, we're going to get into the message. Now, that was just the intro. And you thought that was, you know, something else. Here comes the real sermon. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Who's ready to go? <laughs> Amen. All right. So because the intro was long, two points today. Check it out. Number one. Be intentional, number one, with your words. Be intentional 
with your words. Now, this applies to every area, not just families, even though that's our focus. I'm talking about with your job, with your finances, with your health, with any relationship, be very intentional with your words. And one thing that we strongly believe around here is the power of words. Words are very powerful. Think about it. How did God create the heavens and the earth? With words. I mean, you know, he spoke. He said, hey, let there be light. And there was light. God created the universe simply with words. That's powerful. And, and of course, Mark eleven twenty four tells us that you shall have whatsoever you say it. Words, I mean, we could go on and on with, with, with verses about this, but words are extremely important, and how you use them is extremely important. And this is a major key that a lot of Christians never fully grasp. Number one, you believe in your heart, and number two, you say with your mouth. That's how you became born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so it is super important in every situation you face, whether it's for your health, your finances, raising your kids, salvation, whatever it is, you got to believe the word of God in your heart and you need to start speaking the word of God out of your mouth. So let's look at a verse here, Proverbs 18, verse 21. Here's a good one you should teach your kids, Proverbs 18, 21. It even rhymes. So I, I made up a song for my kids to get it, and it's like, hey, death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. There, that was my freestyle rapping skills. That was the extent of it, amen? It's okay. I don't need your mercy. I, it's okay. <laughs> your sympathy, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, but... I understand that was weak. That was weak. Proverbs eighteen twenty one, and my dad and mom taught this verse to Josh and I and my siblings at a young age. I've told this story, but remember one time uh, before my dad was a pastor, we were at our church in Indianapolis, and they brought in a children's evangelist, and and he he asked, you know, hey kids, I'm going to tell you this this verse. What does it mean? And nobody raised their hand. He's like, I'll give five dollars to the kid that raises their hand. So our ears perked up. I'm like, oh, I'm listening. And then he's like, uh, $10. And he kept working his way up. And he got up, I'll give $20 if one of you can explain this verse. Josh's hand just shot up. And I was like, oh, man, we've got this. Because my dad had been teaching it. And listen, $20 in the early 90s, that could have been $1,000 today, right? And so, I mean, this was like 1992 when $20 meant something, okay? And so, uh, Josh, Josh, I mean, I'm so proud of my brother. He just, he, uh, he lays out a full, I mean, like three-point perfect sermon on Proverbs 18:21. The evangelist jaw drops. He's like, and so he gets $20 out, gives it to Josh begrudgingly. What do we do? We head straight to Kmart to get some cap guns. Come on. Because before I was going to be a pastor, believe it or not, I was going to be a cowboy. That was, yeah, I was going to be a cowboy. And it uh, turns out there's a shortage of, of jobs for that sometimes. So Anyway, that didn't pan out, so we went into preaching and, and stuff. But it was, and, and so uh, my dad, a few days later, uh, in Indianapolis, a large city, like a million people, somehow my dad runs into this guy in this huge city at, at Long John Silver's. They're getting some attention. So anyway, and so my dad's talking to him, and this guy's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe this. These, I was at this church preaching, and, and I lost $20 to a kid. And, you know, my dad's just like, 
back in the, I, hey, who knows, some people's kids, right? Who knows? So Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The New Living Translation puts it this way, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And if you love to talk, hey, this could be a good thing, or it could be a really bad thing, depending on the words that you use. But this applies to every area of your life. If you go around speaking bad, negative, nasty words over your family, and then expecting to have a home full of the joy and peace of God, it's not going to happen. You're going to reap the consequences. If you go around bad-mouthing your husband, bad-mouthing your wife, complaining about them all the time, even under your breath, man, I can't, oh, gosh, I can't stand that. All right, check it out. Hey, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Do you want more of what you're getting, or do you want things to change? Start speaking words of life. Start speaking positive words of faith over your children, over your house. Yeah, but I mean, it's a minefield around. Well, start changing your words over it. It may take a little while, but get the process going. As long as you get the seed in the ground, you can eventually get a harvest out of it. But the longer that you sit there cursing your family, being nasty and negative and mean and speaking all these terrible words over whatever the situation is, mark my words, things will not get better. They will only get worse. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so anything that's powerful can either be really dangerous or useful. It depends on how you use it. You know, electricity, it could kill you or it could be harnessed for good. It could light up your house. It could, you know, generate warmth and, and air conditioning. It it's all depends on how you use it. Fire, it could burn your house down or it could bring you warmth. How do you use it? Chuck Norris, he could roundhouse kick you, right? Come on. Or he could be on your side and save your life. Check it out. But anything that's powerful, it all depends on how you harness it. And so I've got a question. What words have you been speaking over your family? You go around, man, I, oh, that's terrible. I don't even want to be there. What words are you speaking over your family? What words have you been speaking to your family? Get a little quiet in here, but hey, that's okay. We want to let you think about that for a minute. I, I read this, uh, this this university study from the University of Denver. In the first year of marriage, year number one, in couples who would ultimately make it and stay together, five out of every 100 comments about each other were put down. Among couples who would later split up and not make it during the first year of marriage, 10 of every 100 comments were put down. Now, that gap magnified over the following year, and year after year, the, the gap kept getting wider and wider until couples that didn't make it were, were hurling five times as many negative comments and put-downs about each other as couples who made it. Now, that's interesting to me. You know, it, uh, that, 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 that many comments, uh, think about it, out of every 100 comments you make about your wife, 50 of them are bad. And you expect... To just have uh, this love-filled, wonderful, 
romantic marriage. Well, in the Hallmark movies, it always turns out this way. And with me, it's like, I mean, come on, why can't I get that? You need to check your words. You know, the book of Proverbs also says that you are snared by the words of your mouth. I believe that's Proverbs 6. You are snared by the words of your mouth. Your own mouth could be the trap that keeps tripping up your family. You've got to be very intentional and focused on the words you speak. And if you and if you were raised in a home where insults and name-calling was the norm, chances are you'll repeat that if you don't make a very intentional effort to change it. And so I've heard this. If you didn't come from a godly family, it's okay. You can make sure that a godly family comes from you. And, you know, sometimes I, you know, I, I, I talk to so many people during the week and people come for prayer and stuff, and, and I get it. A lot of people did not come from a very godly family, and, and, and that hurts me and that breaks my heart. And so sometimes when you didn't have a good uh, a model to pattern things after, what do you do? You just, Again, product of the environment, you just, well, you know, whether you want to do it or not, whether it's intentional or conscience or not, you begin to repeat your parents' relationship. You begin to repeat how your parents treated you, and you swore that that would never happen. And unless you make a very intentional effort, you know what? No, I can see myself starting to act like my dad did. I am not going to let that happen. I am not going to. I am going to. I am going to focus so hard on on telling my kids that I love them, on, on, on showing my kids what it means to, to treat a lady the right way. And you're going to have to put some effort into it, but you've got to break the mold. If you didn't come from a godly family, make sure a godly family comes from you. It can be done, but you're going to have to be very on purpose, intentional about it. And so I've got a word challenge for you because we're talking about words. A word challenge for you. Number one, speak words of faith over your family and speak words of love to your family. Speak words of faith over your family. What does that mean? Well, I, I think that especially in the day and age we live in right now, we, when you're even when you're just praying to God, even when you're having some quiet time, when you're driving in the car on the way to work, you should take that opportunity. Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My kids are going to grow up and, and be raised in a godly environment. They are going to serve you all the days of your life. I thank you, Lord, that you wish above all things that we would prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. I thank you, Lord. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. You need to be speaking words of faith over your family. That is a, that is a I mean, that's nearly a command to you. Do it. And then you need to be speaking words of love to your family. I've noticed that for some people, the words, I love you, are really hard to utter. I tell people this all the time. People here at church, man, I love you. Well, thanks, Pastor Dave. Hey, I need to hear it too. Come on. <laughs> man, I, we, we love you guys. Hey, just say it. I know for some people it doesn't come naturally. But your kids and your wife and your husband, your family needs to hear, I love you, come from your lips because they will find somebody who will say it to them eventually. And that person may have strings attached. That person may be, a, you know, a bad person. 
you need, even if it doesn't come naturally to you, all over scripture, man, it tells you the Lord loves you. Jesus loves you. God's for you. He's not against you. Your family needs to hear these things. And if you, if something doesn't come naturally to you, well, what do you do? You force yourself to do it. I'm not a hugger by nature, but a lot of you are. So guess what I did? I forced myself to become a hugger. Seriously. I'm very serious. I, and so I, I don't have a problem hugging anybody in here. And I've told you that. I will straight up give you. Now, I may give the lumberjack pat, you know, bump, bump, come on. Uh, but at the same time, it, it may not be one of the one of these, but I will hug you. And I have made myself become into that because a lot of people, hey, they, they just need a hug. And so the sooner you learn that life isn't all about you and what makes you comfortable, the better off your life's going to be. I'll just tell you that right now. And so if you're like, I, need, I know I need to tell my kids this and my wife this, but it's just really hard for me. Well, then make yourself do it, man. Figure it out. Force yourself. Be intentional about it because it needs to be done. And, and really, God is the ultimate example of what a father should be. And so sometimes I examine the re- relationship between God the Father and Jesus the Son. Now check this out, this story. Matthew chapter 3. Let's flip there. Matthew chapter 3. We in this together today? Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And we're talking about being very intentional and focused on anything in life, specifically about how you're going to raise your family, how you're going to uh, work your marriage or, 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 or your kids or even grandparents, how you interact with the rest of the family. So Matthew chapter 3, and what we have here is the story of the baptism of Jesus. There's very few stories that are shared in all four Gospels. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke mainly share the same stories between the three of them. They're called the Synoptic Gospels because they're pretty much the same stories, maybe from a different angle or, or, or whatnot. And John, he really only shares a couple of the same stories, very few. But this is one of those stories that all four Gospels carry. And when all four of the Gospels share the same story, my ears perked up. So I'm like, wow, this is a super uh, important uh, uh, part of the Bible. So right here, we're going to read it out of Matthew's account. But but check this out. Matthew 3, verse 16 of the New King James, it says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. Now look at this, verse 17. This is what I'm getting at. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, as I read that, there's, there's a lot of reasons that this happened, but, but this is one of the very few times, very, very few times in all of Scripture where the audible voice of God the Father bellowed out of heaven and a whole mass group of people all heard it at the same time. This is, this is so big. Now, 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 what was this? There's, you could go a lot of theological angles on this. But one thing that is certainly important is that this was an example of God the Father telling Jesus and everybody else around, this is my son, and I'm proud of him, and I am pleased with him, and I love him. That's incredible. And, and, and it makes me examine as, as, as a father, as a dad, like, man, if Jesus himself 
needed to hear that his dad was proud of him and loved him. How much more do our kids need to hear that dad is proud of you and dad loves you? And how often do kids, you know, I don't know, moms and dads both, but, you know, you kind of pick on your kids in front of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. He can't find anything. He's always losing everything. He's always screwing. He's like that. He's just, aren't you just like that all the time? Why would you do that to your kids? Why would you do that? And then expect them to open up to you in their teenage years. You're the last one they're going to because you'll just blast it and make fun of them. Why don't, why don't we start being very focused and intentional? How about when you're, when your kids are around and there's, and there's people around and say, hey, man, did you hear uh, he got an A on the spelling test this week? We're so proud of him. You know, and, and people like, and you may think, well, that would make me a bragger. You know what? People can do with that what they want. But your kids need to hear that you love them, you're proud of them, and that you're there for them. Amen? And so speak some words very intentionally over your family. And so to review, what are we going to do? We're going to speak words of faith over our family, and we're going to speak words of love to our family. And if it's hard for you, then, hey, you're just going to have to work harder than some people, but it's worth it in the end, all right? Number two, we're talking about being intentional. Number two, with your actions. With your actions. As important as words are, actions are even more so. Why? Because there's a lot of truth in the saying that actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. So it's one thing to tell your family, hey, you got to put God first. It's a whole other to actually do that. And a lot of people, you know, well, yeah, my dad always said put God first. And, and that's a great thing to say. That's a wonderful thing to say. It's a fabulous motto to have, but it's a whole lot better if you actually do that. Because from what I've seen time and time again, you know, and, and I've got a lot to learn still, but at least in my observations of people on planet Earth, your kids won't grow up to do what you always told them to do as a kid. They'll grow up and do what they saw you doing. They'll grow up and do what they saw you doing more than what you told them to do. And nothing's more stupid to me, and I see this, than, than some adult drinking and smoking right in front of a kid and saying, no, don't you do this. <laughs> Dummy, what do you think they're going to do? Come on, that's stupid. Or, 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 or you're watching a TV show with so much cussing and nasty on it, like, oh, kids, get out of the room. This, this ain't for kids. Kids can't hear this. If it ain't for kids, it ain't for you either. I mean, seriously. And, and, and you need to be careful what you're watching in your home because you're just inviting all sorts of things into your house. I don't know. I wonder why there's so much rage and anger around here. Well, maybe it's the TV shows you watch. Maybe it's the violence and rage and horror that you, man, the kids are so scared of everything. I don't get it. Well, maybe you shouldn't watch Friday the 13th in front of a five-year-old. I don't get it, man. I, we try. We even, you know, we tell them, don't be afraid. What are your actions saying? And I argue that, hey, if you got to kick all the kids out of the room so you can watch it, you have no business watching that show right there. Turn that trash off. Amen? Kids, get out. No, no, no. This, this ain't for you. Man, please. 
don't do that junk. That's a terrible way to, to live your life, all right? And so uh, you need to behave like the person you want your kids and grandkids to become. That's on your sheet there. You need to behave like the person you want your kids and grandkids to become. You want that, you know, how do you want them to behave? Don't just say, hey, man, you got to serve God, put God first. You need to actually do it yourself. Actions speak louder than words. And I remember I, last summer we were talking about family stuff in here, and, and the Lord just put, a, put something in my heart that I spoke out, and the room got so quiet, I was like, wow, we struck a nerve. Wow, uh, and, and so I'm going to say this again, uh, and, and, and I want you to just ponder this, okay? But, but question for you, would you be happy if your kids grow up and marry someone who treats them the same way that you treat your spouse? Would you be happy if your little girl grows up and marries someone that treats her the same way you treat your wife? You're full of secrets. You're hiding stuff. You're mean. You're rude. You know, oh, no, 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 kids, don't tell mom about this. Well, would you like it if that's how, or, 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 or how about your son, moms? Would you like it if, if he grows up and, and, and marries a lady that yells at him all the time and is mean and, and says put-downs to him and, 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 and backstab? Would you like that if, if that's what your little one grows up to marry somebody like that? Come on. It's something to think about and something to really examine your actions. If you don't want your kids growing up to marry someone like that, then, hey, you need to start setting a better example of what it means to treat your husband nice and how to treat your wife nice and with honesty and respect and decency. But they're watching every little thing we do, and they'll grow up to repeat that. And that's how they're going to form their man. I've already told my kids, like, hey, check it out. If I, you know, it, it, whenever you start becoming of age to start finding someone, hey, wh- what, what, was her, what was her parents' marriage like? How did, how did she treat her dad? These are things that I'm telling my kids, you know, someday that you need to just, just you know, when you're potentially finding, you know, the right one, I would examine how she treats her parents. I would examine how her parents' marriage was. That's just something to think about because we tend to repeat and pattern our life after the way that we were raised. Amen. Amen. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What's all that heavy stuff? Let's get back to the fun stuff. All right. Well, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we were already there, but let's reexamine that. Let's move forward. Man, it got real serious in here for a minute. I was like, whoa, come on. It got real serious. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we were already there, but I want to just relook at this real quick. Who wants to raise a godly family? If your family needs healing, who wants healing for your family? Amen. Yes, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, and we were already here, but, but again, we're talking about actions being very intentional. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. What do you do? Well, you're going to have to be very focused and on purpose. You're going to 
Repeat them again and again to your children. You're going to talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. You're going to tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so, again, what is all that talking about? That talks about someone that's not being a lazy parent. That, I mean, this is only for people that are going to be very focused and intentional on raising a godly family. This is intentionality. This is sacrifice. This is discipline. This is putting some effort into your family. And so I'm going to tell you right now that, that, that being intentional, it takes some sacrifice. Get your kids to church even when you're not feeling like it that day. Pray with your kids even if you don't feel like it that day. Quote that Bible verse. Open that Bible even if you don't feel like it that day. And, you know, well, I just, when I get the motivation up, I'm going to really get into this. I like something that John Maxwell has said. He said, the whole idea of motivation is a trap. Forget waiting to feel motivated. Just do it. After you start doing the thing, that's when the motivation comes. And so many people that are wanting to make a change in their life, they think that it's number one, get the motivation, and then number two, get plans of action and start doing it. But I argue, and I agree with his point here, that no, number one, start doing it. And then the motivation, number two, will show up later on. But if you wait until you just feel motivated to start making some changes in life, that motivation is never going to come. You think that the devil will do anything he can do to stop motivation from coming to you? Oh, yeah. He'll do anything he can do to mess with you and, and throw a roadblock here, throw a distraction over there. Do you realize how distracted we are as people? I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest. I can get very easily distracted. You can just ask my wife or anybody, man. It, it doesn't take long for me at all. I'm like, yeah, I think today I'm going to do this. Oh, wait, they're giving out free donuts at Krispy Kreme. Let's go ahead. Yes. No, 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 no. I know. I know. We're Pause that. Donuts first and then what? No. You got to stay focused. And, and I even saw a thing. Microsoft did a study, and I, I should have wrote it down, but I think it said something like, the average adult's attention span of being able to just focus straight ahead on one thing is like eight seconds now. Yeah, and, and, and you may be able to sit here and listen to a sermon for a while, but, but between that, if, you know, especially if you're on your phone, you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, wait, free donuts at Krispy Kreme? Uh, 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 this, uh, and, and our attention, we're so used to nonstop. Our attention span is like this. And sadly, honestly, what I read in this study is that our attention span is less than that of, a, of the average goldfish. They can stare at their piece of food for like nine seconds, and most of us, we're looking, oh, that looks good. I can show that to everybody on Facebook. Let's just take pictures of this right now. Number one, I don't want to see pictures of your food, all right? I don't. I flat out, I, you know, come on. Okay, whoa. I didn't expect a name, but seriously, you know, it's cool. We're glad that you ate today. We're so glad for you. But come on. And so, but but, but our attention span, and, and, and oh, I can, oh, wait, wait a minute. I got to check this. And, and, it, and don't let that carry over into the real world, into your real life. You meant to study a Bible verse with your kids this week. Make 
it happen. Don't get distracted. Well, when we feel up to it, we'll, we'll start. We'll get into the habit of, of teaching the kids to pray. Don't wait too long, brother. You better do it now. Motivation will come later. But quit waiting until you feel motivated to do it. And so I want to close with just with tagging on to something my dad taught on Wednesday night. Let's flip to John chapter 15. We're almost done. John chapter 15. But who knows that, hey, you're going to have to be intentional about this whole life thing. No matter if it's parenting or something else, success doesn't happen by accident. And it happens because you are being on purpose about what you're doing. John chapter 15. We're going to look at verses. Uh, we're going to look at verse 5 and then verses 7 through 8. John chapter 15. And I love what Jesus said right here about I am the vine. And, of course, if he's the vine, we're the branches. What's the vine? Well, the trunk, that, that's the main uh, body of the tree. And we're all branches just plugged in to Jesus. He's the source of life. And so John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Who's figured that out already that, hey, without Jesus, I can't do a single thing, man. I can't tie my shoes. I can't show up to work on time. I need Jesus for everything in this life. Amen? Without me, you can't do anything at all. And that's not conceited of Jesus. That's just him telling the straight-up truth. Look here at verse 7. I'm going to go to verse 7. He says, if you abide in me, what does that mean? That means if you remain in me, if you stay connected to me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. That's awesome. Who wants to be able to ask something of Jesus that you desire and for it to actually happen? In other words, do you want your prayers to actually get answered? Yes, we do. And look at this, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Oh, now check it out. What, what does all that mean? Jesus says, if you remain in me, if you stay connected, if you don't disconnect yourself from the source of all life, from Jesus, you are going to bear so much fruit you're going to be able to pray and get your prayers answered. You're going to be able to talk to God about your desires and get your desires answered. Well, that sounds kind of selfish. I mean, I don't want all that. That's not selfish. What is it? What do you say happens when you do this? When, when you're so connected to Jesus that your prayers are getting answered, that you're getting blessed, that things are happening, what does it do? Verse 8, it brings glory to God the Father. It's not about making you look good. When you look good, Jesus looks good. That's what I'm saying today. If we'll do things his way, if we'll stay connected, if we'll be intentional, your family is going to be getting prayers answered. Your family is going to be in health. Your family is going to be blessed financially. Well, don't talk about that, man. Don't even start that with me. Okay? I could fight you all day biblically on that. The word of God says, Jesus wants your family blessed. It is not his will for the Christian kids to be the only poor ones at school that can't have nice shoes. 
You think all the gangsters and the drug dealers, their kids should have the nice shoes, but the Christian kids got to wear pants with that are all too small, their shoes messed up. You got to drive the worst car, but I'm okay with it if the, if, if the guy dealing crack down there. It's okay if his kids got nice, but it would be bad if the Christian kids, that would be conceited. If you buy that lie from the devil, come up afterwards and I will, boom, cast that right out of you. <laughs> boom. That is a bunch of baloney. God's kids, the people of God, should be blessed. Amen. We shouldn't be the only ones that don't have enough. We shouldn't be the ones begging. In Psalm 37, King David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children having to beg for bread. God's will is for your family to prosper and be in health. And when all that happens, they look and say, hey, wow, what is it about the Chi family? Come on. What is it? I, I, I want what they've got. And they don't say, well, if you were as cool as us, you'd have it. No, they say, Jesus is why we are blessed. You look at the, the Crank family over there and say, hey, come on. Why is it that it's just, what? Uh, why is your family so awesome? And you say, hey, it's not that we're awesome. It's that Jesus is awesome. Amen. And it brings glory to God the Father when you're blessed and your family is healthy. So what are you going to do? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's get up today. Come on, let's stand up together. Praise God. Amen. I want to bring glory to the Father. I want, I want to make the Christian life look so awesome that the worst sinner in Barstow says, hey, I want what you've got. But it doesn't happen if we're just as unhealthy and messed up as everybody else. We need the blessing of God on our lives. I'm going to have our prayer team come on up together today. Amen. And, and hey, if you're here and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. It's what we do. If you need healing, we want to pray for healing. If you need something else, we want to pray for that. But the biggest thing is this, is that if you're here and you do not have the right relationship with Jesus, you can forget about all the other relationships. They're going to fail anyway. You need to have things right with Jesus. And so if you're here and you're like, hey, I used to, but I kind of walked away. You know what? We're not here to throw rocks at you. We're here to say, okay, let's fix it. You're forgiven. Let's fix it. Let's make this thing happen. Or maybe you're here and you've just never even really giving things over to Jesus. Well, today's the day to go ahead and do that for the very first time. No matter what your case is, don't leave here today not having things right with God. Nothing else will work until you get this thing worked out. Amen. And so we're going to take a few minutes here. Josh is going to lead us in worship. If you need prayer for anything at all, come up and we're going to pray for you and believe for God to work in your life. Amen. Let's go. Yes, I know that I know that you never will. And I know that I know that you never fail. Oh, yes, I know that I know that you never will. And I know that I know that you never fail. 
Yes, I know that I know 
Okay, come down out there. Well, that's good. You sit down for a minute. I, I got a word I need to give to somebody. And if it's you or more than one of you, then listen closely. Listen closely. The Lord gave me some things at the start when we were worshiping. Pastor Dave tapped into it about uh, praising him for things, you know, to finish what he started. Back in about 19, probably about 1994, 95, somewhere thereabouts, I had a guy in my church around 70 years old. And, uh, we started our service on a Sunday morning, got a phone call that, that he'd had a serious stroke and looked like he was totally, totally gone. And so that's the only time I ever left the service when I was the one preaching. I turned around because I knew by the Lord I was supposed to get to the hospital. So I turned around to my, my worship minister. I said, Stan, whatever you got, you go ahead and preach. I got to get to the hospital. So I left the service and I got there and he was paralyzed. I mean, really serious stroke. And they, they said that his brain was shot. He said he won't even make it till tomorrow. If he does, he'll always be a vegetable. Well, I got over there. I laid hands on him, took authority over it. And within a day, he was up and out of there. And he had he had most of his mobility back. He got pretty much pretty much back. They put him into rehab. And then after about a month, the Lord told me to tell him that he got healed off of my faith, but the rest of it didn't have yet. So now he's got to step up to the plate and use his faith to get the rest of it. Okay, and now here's here's what I want to tell you for somebody out here, and listen real close because you'll know if this is God talking to you or not because uh, he gave this to me at worship time, and then here we are. I forgot all about it, worshiping again, praying for people to come back to him again. said to tell it to you this way. Uh, write these verses down if you want to see them. In Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, we talked about this all the time. There were 10 lepers. Everybody knows what a leper is. A person got a serious skin disease. Skin falls off, ate up, and it doesn't grow back. Ten lepers were walking, and Jesus saw them. And he told them, go show the priest that you're cleansed. And so they might, you had to use some faith. 
And so as they turned around and walked the other way, then they saw that they were cleansed. And what cleansed meant, the disease stopped eating things. In other words, if they had part of the ear off, it was still gone. It just stopped. It's going to have part of the ear saved. If fingers were starting to fall off, stopped, no more fingers off, the disease stopped. Did no more damage. And then it says that one of them, nine of them kept on walking, didn't say a word, just kept on walking. One of them says when he saw that he was cleansed, that he was healed, said he stopped. And with a loud voice, I was reading this this morning, he said with a loud voice, he started giving glory to God. He ran up to Jesus. He got on his knees at Jesus' feet. And he kept on thanking Jesus that he was cleansed. And Jesus made this statement. Now listen to what I'm going to say. This will hit you right in the heart if this is you. Jesus said, wait a minute. I thought ten got cleansed. How come only one came back to give me glory? And then he said to this man, and this jumped off me this morning, first time I saw it like this. He said to this man, he said, your faith, your faith has made you whole. That word whole comes the word shalom. Shalom means nothing broken, nothing missing. So that man's ear, fingers, toes, whatever had been destroyed, he didn't just get the disease stopped, God put stuff back. And so listen, listen, but that jumped off his morning. God called that faith because he praised him. He called it faith because he gave glory to Jesus for what he'd done. And so here's what the Lord's saying to somebody, maybe more than one somebody's. There's something in your life that God's done for you right now that's major. And you're just going about business like, okay, that's good. Well, I'm glad that's over. But you know there's still more that you need, like that man in my church that got his life spared from that stroke. There's more he could have gotten. But it was up to him to get it. So in your life, if you're still wondering, how come? How come? How come? How come? Here's how come. You are going to start becoming a person that gets grateful and thankful to God. Amen. And like in a church service, if it were me, in a church service like this, like we have here, when it comes praise and worship time, I wouldn't sit on my hands. But sometimes one of the pastors says, like, come up here to the altar and worship. I'd be running up there. I would get up there. I would get up there. I'd be praising and worshiping, giving God glory. In my, in, my, in my prayer time at home, instead of saying, my name's Jimmy, give me, give me, give me, I'd say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I thank you for finishing. One more thing I'll tell you. This comes to me right now. Do you remember when... We tell the story, Pastor Dave had leukemia, and we got him out of the hospital, got him healed. Well, we had evangelists come to our church, didn't know me at all. We had about, I was, I was a church member, not a preacher. We had about 500 people in the church, and he, he, had, he had a prayer line for something. And Pastor Dave, this stuff was all fresh with him, just getting healed from being a cripple, just, I mean, within a month's time, all stuff going on. Come up to the prayer line up there, that was lined up all the way across the front, probably 50 people. And we come up there for something. And he was walking up the line. They had people praying. And when he got to me, my hands were like this, like everybody else. And when he got to me, he grabbed my hands, raised them up, said, raise them up all the way. 
And then the Holy Ghost said, that's to me. He said, that's how you've been running your race, just halfway. He said, I want you to run all the way. <laughs> and so, if you ever noticed, most of the time when we're up here worshiping the Lord, you'll always see me go like this. And I always do that because when I get a word of the Lord to me, I live it the rest of my life. And so I know that this is okay. That's okay. That's okay to do that. But God told me that when I raise my hands all the way, that's, that's symbolic. And that's me in my heart saying, Jesus, I always remember what you told me right all the way. And so I'm just telling you, wherever you are in life, if you know the Lord spoke to you this morning by what I said, that you start being thankful and grateful for what he's done, not for what he hasn't done. You focus on what he's done, thank him for it, and then you're going to see the rest of it get done. Amen. Amen. That's an awesome word for us. I love that. Praise God. Let's stand up together. We're going to go ahead and, and, uh, and close things out here. But telling you, remember this week, you're going to speak words of faith over your family, even when they're being annoying, right? You're going to say, hey, speak words of faith over them. And you're going to speak words of love to them. And you're going to start taking some intentional actions in your life and not just hoping that, hey, by pure blind luck, you're going to have this successful, awesome, wonderful life. No, it's going to be intentional. Amen. Membership class is at 4 o'clock today. If you're signed up for membership class, all you can eat snacks and Bible time. Come on. And uh, Pastor Katie is going to be in there with me. First time ever. She's never done membership class with me like that. So we're going to team up on it. And it's going to be a lot of you don't maybe know where the other building is. Our other building, Victory Hall, right back here is where it's going to be. So go, go to Victory Hall. There's child care. Uh, so if you need to drop the kids off, get over here. And uh, do they need to check them in, Norma, at the check-in table? Okay. Uh, come in the front doors here and, and get them checked in. Then we'll get them up to nursery, all right? Praise God. Well, let's go ahead, and we're going to pray over you today. And then we're going to speak some words of faith over Barstow. Let's raise our hands, as the Scripture says, that men everywhere ought to raise their hands in holy prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word today. And, God, we know that if we're going to raise our kids and our family and, and even be successful for you in any way, it is not going to be by accident. It's going to have to be on purpose. So I say in the name of Jesus, we're being intentional in everything we do for you. We're going to speak the word of God on the road, at the house, when we're going to bed, when we're waking up. We're going to write it all over our house, Father. Everything we've got to do, but we're living our lives for you. And I rebuke divorce from every household in this church. I rebuke sickness. I rebuke poverty. Any attack of the devil that would try to come in and mess with these families and with these individuals, we say no. No weapon formed against them shall prosper in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Use us this week, Lord, to be the light of the world to this community and everywhere we go. In Jesus' mighty name, can somebody say amen today? Amen. All right. Let's do it. Let's say it loud. Let's say it proud. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. 
Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight.